Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. I am so happy to introduce my guest today. Julian Miles is CEO and co-founder of Women Returners, the European experts in enabling professionals to return to work after an extended career break. Since 2014, Women Returners has partnered with over 80 forward-thinking organizations to lead the rapid growth of the Returner program market in the UK and Ireland. A social business, Women Returners also runs the Women Returners professional network, providing free advice and support to 6,000 women on career break. Julianne is a chartered psychologist with an INSEAD MBA and a background in corporate strategy and marketing. She was awarded an MBE for Services to Business and Equality in the Queen's Birthday Honours 2019, recognizing her role in changing the landscape for returning professionals. She is a frequent speaker and media commentator on returning to work and co-wrote the Returner Program's Best Practice Guidelines for Employers for the UK Government Equalities Office. Thank you so much, Julianne, for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me, Karen. It's really great to have you. Now, we have a lot of listeners from all over the world. So could you just tell them where are you calling in from? And is there a particular site of food in your area that you would recommend? So I am calling in from Wimbledon, England. Uh, Normally, actually, it's, it's quite an interesting time for us. Normally this week, we would be inundated with tennis players, right. but a lot quieter than normal at the moment. So, uh, yeah, top tips for food, I think. Well, if you want to see the tennis players, there's a very good Thai restaurant in Wimbledon Village. So that's the one to look out for if you're here <laughs> at a non-coronavirus time. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I remember I've been to Wimbledon and it's amazing. Um, now, could you tell our listeners how you started Women Returners? Well, the seed for Women Returners came when I took my own career break. So I took a four-year career break after a first career in corporate strategy and marketing. Um, and then I retrained as a chartered psychologist. So that was the very, the, the origins was my personal experience of being on career break. Um, and that point where I knew I didn't want to do what I did before. I knew I wanted to work differently. I wanted to do something engaging and interesting, but I wasn't exactly sure what that was. Um, and I realized that there really wasn't much support. So when I uh, developed as uh, my own psychology practice, which was sort of focused on business psychology, I started as a bit of a pro bono sideline supporting mm -hmm. people who'd taken long career breaks, normally for childcare, um, to find their own way back into the workforce, into jobs that they found satisfying and fulfilling. And, you know, did that very much small scale, very much sort of kitchen table type uh, support that I was giving to people. But it became increasingly obvious to me that 
there was a real societal challenge here because these people that I was working with, they were incredibly skilled, very, very talented, very capable, um, but actually they were facing really large barriers when they came to want to get back into the workforce. And they were finding that if they wanted to get back to their professional careers, um, then actually the doors were closed to them. So, so what I realized over the years was that there was a need to do something at a much higher level than helping individuals. Um, and that was where Women Returners came from. So in 2012, um, together with a woman I co-founded the business with, Katerina, who sort of subsequently stepped down, we started writing a blog for Returners. And the aim was to provide initially some positive messages, some stories saying it was possible to get back after a long career break. We shared stories of other people who'd done it. We created more positive stories. Um, and then in 2014, that was where the, uh, the business as it is now really took off, which was when we made the decision to bring the concept of a returnship into the UK. So rather than just working with individuals and providing these positive messages, we wanted to create an organization where we could work with the employers to you know, flag this amazing talent pool and very importantly, create these supported routes back to a professional role. Now, you mentioned returnships but then there is another program that you are running now it's called the supported hiring programs what is that yeah so I'll, I'll explain the difference between two so the returnship was a concept that was actually developed in the US in around about 2008 by Goldman Sachs um, and but hadn't come over to the UK when we started women returners in, in 2014 um, and, and what it is is it is a higher level paid professional internship so it effectively effectively operates like a, a, a um, short-term fixed-term contract typically three to six months where the returner comes in they are very importantly doing a professional job using their skills and experience and they're receiving a wrapper of support alongside ideally with coaching mentoring training so the idea is that there is a very strong likelihood at the permanent, of a permanent role at the end of this placement if it works mm -hmm. for both sides. It isn't just a standalone contract. It's important to say that. The expectation on both sides is there will be an ongoing role if it works for both sides. So that's a returnship. Uh, and actually, that mm -hmm. has been the most popular form of returner program within the UK. Um, but as we started to work with organisations on returnships, we realised that for, it wasn't suitable for some organizations they they actually these businesses wanted to bring people directly into permanent roles into you know what they call BAU roles it's like business as usual roles so we developed and actually I can take credit for the term supported hiring developed the concept of um, supported hiring to say and this is bringing in returners still in a supported way mm -hmm but actually directly into permanent roles. So the concept of supported hiring is, is you come into an organization and if you've had an extended career break and you're joining into this one of these BAU roles, then you receive the same sort of support, the same wrapper of coaching support as you would if you were coming in on a returnship. I imagine if you have like a smaller organization where maybe a returnship is too big that type of um uh, hiring directly for a job is then the most suitable um i think 
It depends, actually, okay. the answer. I mean, I think we have worked with small organizations on returnships just as much as with large organizations. Um, I mean, I think uh, the, the key of whether you want to, to run a returnship or not to support hiring depends on, uh, it, it's a number of dimensions within your organization. One, the key one is actually how risk averse you are. Because you can mm -hmm. be a very small organization and be risk averse, and you can be a very big organization and not so risk averse. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, if you are the the concept of the returnship is is effectively reduces the risk for both sides because there is there is a trial period for both sides um, when you come in on that sort of construct. Um, so, I think actually, I mean, we'll, we may talk a bit in a minute about the concept of a cross company return program. Um, and I think that's one of the ones that works particularly well if there's smaller hiring needs. Sounds really interesting. So, cross company employer services, what exactly? um and how does that work exactly okay so so how a cross-company returner program works is that we work together with a number of companies um, and what we have found is that it works best if those companies are in the same sector so mm -hmm. as an example we have uh, for the last couple of years we've run a cross-company returnship program in Scotland, so across Edinburgh and Glasgow, where actually the recruitment needs of each organisation tend to be smaller than in, you know, uh, sort of capital in London. Um, but actually, they, they really uh, were interested in the concept of bringing in returners. So we develop a programme which is coordinated across a number of different companies. Um, where each company is bringing in typically like two to five people. Mm -hmm. um, but actually the advertising for the returnship, the consulting for the returnship that we provide in how to do it, and very, very importantly, the support for the returnship mm -hmm. is done on a, on a group basis. And this is, has a real positive for the returners coming in because right. they come in as a cohort. One of the things that returners love about a group returnship is that they get this peer group. You are sort of come in with a group of people who really understand where you're coming from. They, so effectively, you can get that peer support. And what happens with a cross-company program is that peer support is there. It's just right. across organizations rather than with one, within one organization. Which it that I mean to me it just sounds like such a perfect um, you know way of providing support, especially if it's you know again if it's either a smaller organization or like you know in an area where there are multiple organizations of the same type where they could all work together and it, it just sounds like such a good idea it works really well i mean one of the uh the, the recent programs that we've been doing is with the diversity project which is mm -hmm. an employer-led cross-industry body which is all about promoting uh, diversity within the savings and investment sector um, and so we have run a program that actually is in London but it's under the diversity project banner so they have partnered with us and organizations who are members of the diversity project have come in under this banner to create uh, their own returnships but within this structure so it's a lot more straightforward for them to do they're coming in on an existing sort of framework um, 
and they're able to to operate it with sort of smaller numbers of people but actually they're getting this real group benefit um, and that right. benefits the sector more broadly which again is, is really positive in terms of diversity right and then it it provides such great examples what valuable employees they are and the more role models they are the more it helps other organizations who might have been hesitant initially exactly and i think it is important to recognize that there is hesitation mm -hmm. and there is still a huge hiring bias against people who don't have recent experience um, particularly people who have not been doing the professional job for five, 10, sometimes 15 years, which is the return of community that we're dealing with. Um, and I think that's absolutely independent of the fact that these people have fantastic CVs before they right. put their career break and have developed this real wealth of skills and experience during their career break. They are exactly. still seen as risky candidates. Um, and I think by coming in on a cross-company program, um, there is a sense of risk reduction, just the same way as there is um, if you're doing a returnship. Uh, so, you know, things may evolve down the line. I mean, I, I am, I'm sort of envisaging that as there are more and more role models within organizations, more and more examples of people who have come back in after long career breaks, who are operating incredibly well at these senior levels, then right. barriers will start to break down and we'll probably see more supported hiring into permanent roles and fewer returnships. Um, but I still think there's a role for both. Yeah. So now, have you seen with COVID-19 a change in the situation for the returners and like i mean obviously so many people are now all of a sudden working from home and so i'm i'm curious what you've seen yeah well, i think i think lots of lots of interesting changes we've <laughs> been seeing i mean i think um in terms of returner programs and the ones mm -hmm. that, that have been started during a, a during this period, mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of nervousness among employers thinking, is this the right time to bring returners in? Typically we give them a lot more support with that work remotely. Um, and employers have been hesitant to do that. It's been, you know, a, a lot of employers have put their returner programs on hold, but we have found that this is a fantastic opportunity for those employers who have gone ahead um, and that actually uh, we've had very positive feedback from lots of returners who have been virtually onboarded um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because a lot of the support structure is put in there. So, right. you know, you have, if you are managing somebody virtually, you have regular checking points with them. You give them more structure, you give them more support. Um, whilst at the same time for the returners, they, they've had, uh, you know, one of them said it's a bit of a hybrid because I'm still right. at home and working from home and can keep a bit of an eye on the family um whilst actually stepping back into the workforce i mean we do have there have been a lot of other challenges i'm not underestimating of things homeschooling which has been a massive in the uk i'm not sure about in canada um yeah, so yes yeah. i i you know very hard for but that's the same for all working parents but actually yes. we have found that the return of programs have worked well so i think that's one one trend um i think the um the other thing is we have found that uh, there are sort of people more returners really coming into the whole market uh, it can be people maybe who've been doing some freelance work 
and have mm -hmm. realized now there's a lot of instability there so they want to get back into uh, you right. know, a larger more paid professional role or it might be that their their partner has been made redundant you know obviously huge amounts right. of around the world at the moment and so that's given them more of a push to get back to work so we have found those trends coming through um, and I think what what is interesting you mentioned the aspect of, of home working and remote right. working I mean the, that's been a, an absolute revolution <laughs> Again, right. you know, within the UK I imagine the same in Canada a lot of organizations yeah. who had thought before it wasn't possible to work at home have now been forced to do it and have found that it does work and now they have the technology they have the processes to do it and um, so I think in the media term that will be hugely beneficial for returners um, you know and particularly those returners who still have existing family commitments that they're working around the fact that they'll be able to work maybe a couple of days from home where they couldn't have done before will be a right. real plus right because that was sort of one of the questions what happens you know if somebody would like to return but already knows that they cannot right now return on a full-time basis what you know are there part-time returnships or what what do they do or is there some other way to return yeah i mean uh, quite a few of the returnships now do offer flexible working Mm -hmm. um, and flexible working as we know is not just about part-time working it can be right. doing you know a day from home it can be working you know starting earlier and finishing earlier it can be those right. sort of variety of flexible working models which actually mean that you can create a working structure which works well for the business team as well as for the returner so we're finding a lot more openness generally to flexibility mm -hmm. um and i think again because of of everything that's happened uh, during covid i think that will just that that those opportunities for flexible working are absolutely going to increase. Um, in terms of part-time, some of the returnships, there, there are options for, for part-time working. Um, but, you know, what, what I feel is important is not to stereotype a returner and think all returners want part-time working. Because right. Very much people take career breaks at different times for different reasons. So, you know, it could be somebody who'd taken a career break, maybe to look after an elderly parent who's now passed away. And actually, they want to come back in and work right. full time. They don't want somebody to yeah. go, you have to work part time because you're a returner. <laughs> you know, exactly. again, we do need to acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, as um, the returnships have evolved over time, have you noticed more men returning? as well well i mean there we don't have universal stats on men versus women but what mm -hmm. we do know is that for people taking caring related career break mm -hmm. yeah um, round about 90 percent of those people are women now again that's i'm sharing uk stats here right there tends mm -hmm. to be sort of similarities with that in sort of many other western countries um and However, and this is mm -hmm. however, uh, you know, that that we do see that that may change with things like, mm -hmm. uh, again, you know, greater uh, focus on um, uh, here we've got sort of shared parental leave is something that's been happening. 
Um, so, and, and more focus in, in these sort of new generations of dads coming mm -hmm. and wanting to share more equally um, the, the, the childcare. So I think that may shift um, mm -hmm. I mean, we're also seeing often that that choice point, which is, you know, who takes the career break if there is a decision that somebody is going to is often based on who is earning less. Right. Again, trends that more and, you know, more and more it is the women who are becoming the higher earner within these households. So I think that things will shift from that perspective. Um we're not seeing a huge amount of shift in who takes the responsibility for elder care. And, you know, typically that still falls largely mm -hmm. on women, but clearly that can be men who, who take breaks as well for elder care. Um, and I think the other thing is what, what we have found over the time, uh, you know, over the last sort of five, six years we've been working on this is that there has been a real broadening of the view of, who a, a return to program is suitable for and is beneficial for. So we've had people coming in, maybe who've had breaks for health reasons. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we have a man who came back in on one of the construction programs who'd had cancer and was you know, now in remission and, and had found it very hard to come back in because he'd had a very significant career break. Um, we've had people who have taken breaks, maybe they've gone and worked abroad doing voluntary mm -hmm. service or something and come back in again, that could be men as well as women. Um, so I think as the the definition of who is a returner has moved a bit, um, and you know, for me, it's always been about an understanding that if we have a 40 to 50 career, year career, we're all going to want or need to take career breaks. Um, and it might be as much as anything just to recharge our batteries and, you know, to right. burn out. And again, yes. that's as much a male thing as a female thing. So I think yeah. that is so. So there are men coming in on these programs. I think um, particularly if you look at programs in areas where women are, you know, much smaller percentages. So say in um, in engineering, if you look at mm -hmm. an engineering type, type returnship. Um, but I think so, sort of, I guess to, to sum up, it is still the vast majority of people coming in on returner programs do tend to be women, uh, but they are absolutely open to men as well. And we're finding that men who take career breaks have just as many challenges coming back in as women. If I'm a senior business leader listening and are starting to think, wow, this is such an opportunity and I hadn't thought about it to, you know, particularly focus on that more invisible part of the workforce that often really gets excluded from diversity and inclusion projects. What should that, what would you tell that person? How can one best start um, a returnship in one's organization? If you're a senior business leader and you'll start to think about whether you want to bring career returners into your organization, I think the first step is putting together the business case. Um, and the fundamental of the business case is, is this is a really high caliber talent pool. And we have a, a lot of case studies now. We have a lot of examples of people who have come back into organizations, who have come in at that mid to senior level and contributed really quickly to the organization. So, you know, and almost without exception, 
we get the feedback from employers. Wow, we're blown away by the talent of this group. <laughs> you know, as if it's like, well, that's what I've been telling you, but that's ultimately, <laughs> it's a very high caliber talent pool that you haven't been yes. accessing so far. So, I, and then there is the aspect of diversity. And I think it's recognizing gender diversity, as we've just talked about, is a really important part. It's often a really important mm -hmm. rationale for running a returnship. But just as importantly, you can get this diversity, which is cognitive diversity. It's diversity of thought and experience. It's people who come in, they see the world a different way. They come in with fresh eyes. And fundamentally, that is the business benefit of diversity. It's not somebody looking different. It's actually the fact they're thinking differently. So I think you can harness that. Um, so I think that those are absolutely the key things, as well as obviously, you know, it's the right thing for organizations to do. You know, so right. it's a real sweet spot for an organization where you can be doing something where there's a strong business benefit and also doing something that's good for society and the economy. So, you know, I think that's the fundamental starting point. I think the, the next thing that you need to do is to make sure that you get support at all levels of the organization. You do need support right from the top for doing a returner program, but just as importantly, you need support from hiring managers. Mm -hmm. and unless you have both those levels, your returner program is far less likely to work. Um, then make sure, you know, if you don't, if this is something that is driven by the business, make sure you get HR support. If it's driven by HR, make sure you have the business support. Yes. Yeah? So mm -hmm. Everything needs to be joined up before you get going on this in an organization. Um, and then I would say talk, you know, talk to an organization like, like ourselves, who's, who's got the expertise, talk to other employers who've run returner programs and really learn what it's about learn what some of those factors are that are important for setting it up for success because i think it is it is deceptively simple the idea of bringing in mm -hmm. returners but it is yeah. not as easy as just saying oh it's great it's a new talent pool we'll find some returners we'll bring them into the organization you do need to recognize that this is a different group of experienced hires Mm -hmm. fantastically talented group but you do need to bring them in in a more supported way and you need to make sure that your recruiters your hiring managers your line managers really understand about the dynamics of this group provide the support through the transition and then let people fly when they're back in the organization a lot of the times we are talking now about lifelong learning mm. and um so they obviously have learned a lot of skills outside of um, the paid workforce. But um, now on your um, website, you talk also about reskilling and lifelong learning um, and some courses. Could you share a bit more um, about that and how that helps? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... The first step is if you are a returner, if you're somebody mm -hmm. who has taken an extended career break, who's thinking about getting into, back into the workforce, um, it's a good time when you first start contemplating going back to work to actually upskill yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think there is a huge amount of support available. And actually, a lot of that is free. 
Um, so you can get support in terms of just upping, upskilling yourself in IT. It might be Microsoft Office, you know, some of those basic right. things that you might just not have had familiarity familiarity with using before or you might not have used for a long time so I think you know upskill yourself in IT upskill yourself in terms of knowledge if you're still a member of a professional organization often there's a lot of uh, knowledge based courses that you can do there's also a lot of free courses now online um, mm -hmm. the, the open learning type platforms can be incredibly useful for upskilling yourself so I think you know and just as importantly get out there and you know read the professional magazine sort of check back into that world um, so I think that is the sort of prepare yourself Mm -hmm. From an employer's perspective, once people come back into an organization, that's where you need to be thinking individually about what the training needs are. Um, I think there are, you know, there is this typically this generalized need, which is just to get people back up to speed in IT. Um, mm -hmm. That might be as, as, you know, it might be Microsoft Office or it might be actually everybody's own internal systems. So it's do that sooner rather than later. Don't let, don't let that be a barrier. Um, but but I also think there is then uh, this case for just sort of upskilling people very quickly with some of the gaps, uh, you know, that need filling for the time that they've been out of the workforce. Um, so, so I think those sort of principles apply if you're bringing somebody back into a similar role. Um, mm -hmm. We're also seeing an interesting rise in returner programs which are about retraining. Um, so particularly retraining people into tech, <laughs> tech uh -huh. science, there's a yes. huge need for more people generally within uh -huh. areas like software development, as I say, data science, uh, program management. Um, and, and there is even more of a crying need for women and diverse groups within, within those areas. So I think that's why we are seeing more uh, retraining programs where they're recognizing that there is a really interesting talent pool out there who already have this understanding of the commercial world they have skills and experience that can be built on to then mm -hmm. retrain them into a new field I saw that you had recently your first virtual returner employer networking event. Could you just share a little bit about that, please? Yeah, no, it was a it was a fantastic event we had last week. Um, it was the the topic was running a returner program during the pandemic, um, and we recognised that there were some employers who were going ahead. They were launching programs. They were onboarding returners. And there were also a large number of employers who were hesitating and thinking, mm -hmm. is it possible? Is it the right time? Should we wait? Um, so what we wanted to do there was to bring the employers together to share learning. So we had a fantastic panel. Um, we had somebody from JP Morgan, somebody from Fidelity International, somebody from Dunhumby, which is a very large data science company. And they talked about their experiences of virtually running a returner program uh, and, and the opportunities that are there. Mm -hmm. The really forward thinking, innovative employers who take a deep breath, are courageous and say, yeah, we're going to do it uh, because they can access this fantastic talent pool um, when there is sort of slightly less competition around from other right. employers. Uh, because what we have found within the UK is there are now 
well over 100 returner employers. So if you're running a returner program normally, there's a lot of competition, particularly within financial services and tech. Um, and we had 50 employers joined us virtually. Wow. Uh, wow. And fantastic conversations from, uh, from our panel and also within breakout rooms. So I think very, very encouraging message for us of how seriously these very big name employers were taking uh, I, I, their responsibilities to returners, but also, um, you know, some of the, a lot of these employers have been running returner programs for a long time, and they know that it's something that they want to maintain, and they, they're yeah. looking for advice and ideas on how to do that. So I think the commitment to this talent pool, this community of returners, came across very, very strongly. That sounds awesome. Now, is there anything we haven't touched on upon today which you would like to share to our listeners? Um, I think if you are listening and you are an employer who is thinking about hiring returners, I would say pilot it, try it out. You don't need to be doing a huge, massive program. This is something that you can try out with a relatively, you know, small number of people. You can run a returner program with, you know, three three roles available. Uh, mm -hmm. Give it a try, pilot it, test and learn, develop. Uh, and I am very confident that you will quickly realize that this is a very high caliber talent pool and that you know, you will see the value to your organization of bringing these people in. So yeah, go for it, I think would be my message. <laughs> Thank you. Now, where can people find you, Juliet? So womenreturners.com. We have kept it very simple. Uh, if you can email info at womenreturners.com um, or, you know, you will find a lot of information on our website. Um, and that applies just as much if you're somebody who has taken an extended career break and wants to come back in. We have a huge amount of free advice and support. If you're an employer, there are some case studies, there are examples there where you can find out about the type of work that we do. Um, we also have a, a free of charge returner network. Um, mm -hmm. so we've now got 6,000 uh, uh, women returners in that network. Uh, and we wow. also have an employer network that you can sign up to if you want to find out more information. So that's the way to get the latest return to work information into your inbox. Well, thank you so much, Julian. It was really a pleasure having you on the show today and learning so much and yeah, I would love to, you know, have you come back maybe in a year or two and, um, you know, hear what the latest news is and what has happened. Oh, Karen, thank you very much for inviting me. And yes, I look forward to speaking to you again in a year's time, maybe in <laughs> on the podcast too. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.